Welcome to AI Ethics Diaries, Keeping It Real, by the Women in AI Ethics Collective. This podcast is a culmination of many diverse voices and reflects our quest for more inclusive and ethical AI. Join us for brutally honest conversations with women in the AI ethics community who will share their lived experiences, highlight the challenges in the space, and share how together we can build a more ethical and diverse future. This is part of I'm the Future of AI campaign launched in March 2022 in partnership with the Ford Foundation and the Omidia Network to showcase multidisciplinary talent in the space and critical work by women and non-binary folks from diverse backgrounds building the future of AI. Yeah, for my professional life, one thing that happened that inspired me to join the AI ethics space and really value diversity and having people from a non-dominant demographic at the table creating algorithmic decisions. Yeah, my first job out of college was working at Facebook, and I was training these image and video classifiers to take down bad content. Um, and we had a variety of different spaces that we would work on as a team, like uh, suicide, self-harm prevention, uh, child pornography, graphic violence, terrorist propaganda, white supremacist content, like a wide variety of like really, really heinous, reprehensible things in society that get posted to the platform. And one thing that was really eye-opening was that I was the only female software engineer on my team. And yeah, when the topic of deciding who was going to work on what vertical, like what focus area came up, yeah, I was pretty much the only person that wanted to work on child pornography because I, I was like, yeah, that's really, really important. And yeah, I did feel like a lot of other people on the team were not excited about it or not, uh, like not wanting to work on it, probably because it is a very heavy topic. But I do feel like part of my, my motivation to work on it, it was probably influenced by, you know, me being a woman and thinking that it's really important to make sure that kids don't get exploited in this way. Whereas, you know, possibly, and yeah, this is just speculation, but possibly, you know, my male counterparts on my team didn't realize or think it was that important or as important. Like maybe it's like some mothering instinct within me to protect these kids that I was like, this is a really important issue that, you know, we need manpower behind. We need an engineer to be working on this space. Um, whereas, yeah, if I had not you know, raise my hand and volunteer to work on that, nobody would have worked on it. Working on that issue on my child pornography, it was really eye-opening because the team that I was collaborating with, I was like part of the technology engineering team trying to train or, you know, create these machine learning classifiers to recognize child pornography and flag it. And then the team that we were collaborating with, they were the actual content reviewers, the people that would be contacting like the government of local municipalities and flagging the police for specific things. And that team, it was interesting because that entire team was comprised of women. And it was the first time I was at Facebook and I was working with so many women like as coworkers. And it was just really, really, it was like a breath of fresh air. It was so nice. <laughs> and... Yeah, I think I think it is possibly something that has to do with gender that that makes us like care for children and want work on these. You know, while they are really heavy and serious, like and they do take 
can be traumatic at times to work on these areas. Like it is really, really important for, for society and for like the protection of these children. And yeah, that might not be as top of mind for our male counterparts. So that's why I think it's really important circling back to why I'm in the AI ethics space. That's why it's like really important when you're creating AI technologies to have a really diverse set of opinions at the table so that important issues like child pornography are worked on and not, you know, swept to the side because no engineer on the team wants to work. And then secondly, because I wasn't super clear on what this space meant, like, yeah, I just talked about the AI ethics space, um, but then also within the specific space that I focus on is AI art creation, like as a artist who creates my artwork with AI and coding, programming. Yeah, this is this is a much, much lighter anecdote. Um, when I was a kid, I was in sixth grade, I was a part of this Women in Engineering summer program. And yeah, I guess this ties in with the first the first anecdote related to like gender and being a woman in these tech spaces. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, um, I yeah always as a kid really loved drawing, really loved art, creating art, and also in school was told because you know I I was good at math, good at science. Uh, I kind of like took the programming technical person route, also due to encouragement from my. Chinese American immigrant parents to go be an engineer. Um, but yeah, in sixth grade for the summer, as part of this women in engineering tech program, um, we took a field trip to the MIT Media Lab where, you know, it's a group of like 10 sixth grade girls. We show up at the Media Lab. There's this woman there. She heads this research group at the Media Lab on computational textiles. And we do this workshop with her where she has this table full of different scraps of felt, LEDs, conductive thread, and needles. And she shows us how to make these like these bracelets where we took the conductive thread, sewed together a circuit, embedded LEDs into the felt strip, and then made the circuit where like once you snap the bracelet shut, like the circuit completes, and then your LEDs light up. And that was like it was like mind blowing to me as a sixth grader because up until then I had thought, you know, art Leah and technical programming Leah have to be separate people. Those have to be separate worlds. And it was, yeah, it was, it was, I was super, super excited. Like I ran home and showed my dad this bracelet and I was like, look at this. Like I made this. And I was really, really excited to see like this first instance of you know, art and creativity and design and crafting being meshed together with technology and like electronics, conductive thread, and having those intimately meshed together. Yeah, that was really, really exciting for me uh, to feel that I don't have to, you know, push my artistic side away when I'm working in like a technical space. That was the first instance where I've I was like, wow, this is actually possible. It's actually possible to like marry my art half with my technical half and to like do work and have a career in this space. And yeah, that's what I've been doing for like the past past couple of years. My career journey leading up to where I am now, I guess right now I'm about to start doing research on creative AI at Carnegie Mellon this fall. I currently am an artist using AI to create my work. And my career path up to here 
was, yeah, in the previous question, I gave you a little picture of like sixth grade Leah, who was like, oh man, like art and programming can be together. And then it wasn't until like college that I started kind of seriously trying to mesh the two together. And after graduating college, well, in college, I majored in computer science with a math minor. Uh, I went to MIT. And after graduating college, I went to work at Facebook, where I focused on machine learning. And I was training image and video classifiers because as like a visual person, I really wanted to do computer vision and not like natural language processing. So at Facebook, I was training these classifiers, machine learning classifiers, to take down harmful content such as uh, videos of graphic violence, terrorist propaganda, white supremacist content, child pornography, just like really, really heinous things that were on the platform and trying to take those down before any human had to see them. And then I was at Facebook for about a year and a half. I left because I was feeling unfulfilled creatively. Like I realized that, you know, Art Leah needs to have a creative outlet or else she feels really, I don't know, really unfulfilled. And yeah, so I left Facebook. I went to the School for Creative, the School for Poetic Computation in New York City. It's, yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. It's this artist run school that focuses on art and technology and programming and computation and ways to express yourself through coding and technology and ways to create yeah ways to like create creatively with these with like new technology um and yeah that was part of that was pretty much the beginning of stepping foot into this world of creativity and computing and then a couple things that i've done in that world since in the past two three years where um, I've been involved with the NERPS workshop on machine learning for creativity and design. Uh, that also was a pivotal moment, kind of like the conductive thread bracelet sixth grade moment where I went to this conference at NERPS and it was the first time I'd seen in a technical like academic machine learning research space that artists were being asked to like come on stage and like give their experience, give their experience of using like TensorFlow algorithms to generate the lyrics for their album, for example. And that was really, really cool. And that to me was very, another pivotal moment that was eye-opening where I was like, wow, you know, these machine learning researchers actually care what these artists have to say. And this is awesome. And yeah, so I've been involved with that workshop. I'm organizing it. Um, but first I was a participant and presented a poster there. And then, yeah, have also done a lot of teaching. I was at the Rhode Island School for Design teaching machine learning artwork to artists and designers. Also have been teaching these online classes with Derek Schultz. And yeah, he's a, he's a great resource when it comes to making art with AI. And yeah. So like the past three years, I've been teaching workshops, um, and then doing various various projects here and there related to like creative computation. Like I'm currently working on a 
music visualizer to convert audio stems that musicians have created and automatically turn that audio into this movie video generator. Very cool. When I was working in the tech industry, one barrier that I encountered was Yeah, not not really like like I think part of it has to do with the fact that the tech industry is really male dominated and so as a result certain like as a result, you know, of having like a lot of men together, like they, they have a certain culture and a certain way of communicating with each other and so people who don't communicate in that way might not be able to like get through to people or the ways that they do communicate like might not be received or might be like mis mistaken or misread as something else that they're not communicating. Um so I did find when I was working in the tech industry that it was yeah, there are things that didn't weren't a great fit or they felt like yeah, it's just like didn't feel like I fit in with my team, which was, you know, I was the only female software engineer on my team. And, yeah. And I think, like, in terms of ways in which I've gotten through that is, even in spaces where, you know, the, like, the people you vibe with are, like, few and far between, like, maybe you know, the male software engineer ally who, like, is a strong advocate for the voices of women on the team and, you know, will we'll push back. Um, I think, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's really special when you find someone like that who, like, acknowledges that there is, you know, inherent bias in the workplace and is really conscious and aware of that and tries to, you know, be like, yeah, in, interrogate behaviors of people on the team and just think about like, oh, did the manager make this decision because of uh, maybe some unconscious biases that they hold because X and bringing that up. Um, and yeah, I think like more and more I've built up a community of people and tried to surround myself with people that hold these views are more aware and are not afraid to admit to themselves that they do hold biases and consciously think about ways in which they can reduce things. In terms of diversity and its value to AI and AI ethics, I think they're inseparable. When it comes to ethics and creating technologies that affect every member of society, it's really important to have representative groups or even like voices of minorities at the table so they can advocate and tell people their experience of like the camera on my phone doesn't recognize my face. And if there isn't a person from that demographic like at the table, that voice won't be heard, that experience won't be like, that story won't be told. And then the creators of the technology will never know like, oh, for this specific, you know, segment of the population, our technology falls short.
which is why it's super, super important to have people from all backgrounds and all demographics and all different gender, sexual orientation, race, ability or disability, age, nationality, all be able to weigh in and have their opinions and experiences heard. Technology today and AI today is created by a specific segment of society, usually like a pretty privileged, white, male, upper middle class, to upper class. And these people are making decisions that affect literally the entire world in like the papers that they're publishing and the research problems that they're choosing to take on. And it's really, really important. And I can't stress it enough to have more diversity in this like the group of people that are making the decisions of what technology, what the next generation of technology is used for, what it's created for, what it does. Because yeah, it literally like the next wave of technology pervades the entire earth and all the people on it. And so it's really important for how diverse the earth is, that the human population is. Yeah, my first so in summary my first piece of advice was to not burn yourself out, like be kind to yourself, take breaks when you need to, tap in, tap out, allow others to step up when you're feeling tired and allow yourself to rest because, you know, we're here to make changes for the long term and for these, for long term progress to be made, you do need to, you know, rest, take breaks, um, and be kind to yourself. And my second piece of advice would be to, if you're from a non-traditional background, to try and create communities and find others who are from the non-traditional background. If, if there isn't a space for you at the table to like make that space, especially if the dominant culture is white male software people. And I think like when it comes to entering a space, allies are really, really key because yeah, as kind of backwards and unfair as it is, it does sometimes particular people will only listen to people that look like them and which that's where like allies come in, which is, you know, it's, it's how it is in the set. When you find allies that are advocating for you uh, to also not be afraid to ask them for specific things because, you know, that's, that's what they're there for, they're allies. And to be like, hey, I'm looking to do this. Do you know anybody here? I'm trying to speak to somebody from X. Do you know anybody or can you send me an intro email and to also ask around? Because I do also think even in spaces where seemingly it appears that everyone is homogenous, if you dig enough, often there's like at least like one other person or two other people that are not of the dominant group and really, really see the value in what you're trying to do and to sort of find other people like you, even if you are few and far between, because I think it's really important to have a team of people and to have uh, who will help you push this forward. Because, yeah, like as I said, it is like making change in these spaces where the odds are stacked against you. It, it takes a team, and so it's really important to find others who are trying to do the same things that you are. And from my from my personal experience. Like, for example, I've been really, really pleasantly surprised, like, again and again at the people I've been able to connect with and find and, the, like, small little niche communities I've been able to find because, yeah, like, me as a computer science major going to, like, work at Facebook, I never, I never knew that there was such a rich 
environment or ecosystem and communities built around like mashing together computing and art. Like I never would have thought that there's actually like a lot when you dig into it. And so in the same way, there are probably a lot of intersectional communities that are like, you know, AI ethics crossed with this. And yeah, I feel like they, they do exist and keep looking for them. And if they don't exist, find one other person or two other people who want it to exist and create it with them. You were listening to an AI ethics career journey from I'm the Future of AI campaign series. Mm-hmm.